0: Good evening and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group for this August, the 16th, 2017. I can't believe we are halfway through August. Thanks so much for joining us. If you are watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope, or if you're listening to our podcast on demand through iTunes or Google Play, thanks so much for uh, checking us out this hour. Coming up, we're going to be getting to know uh, the folks behind Weather Rate. You may have seen uh, their branding, their name on maybe your local weathercast, but what is it all about? We're going to be talking to Bruce Fixman coming up in uh, just a few moments. But first, as we always do at the top of each one of our shows, we're going to go around our panel here at the Carolina Weather Group and find out what's happening uh, with each one of our panelists. And I can tell you here in Charlotte, it was another very hot day. I made the mistake of going out this afternoon and attempting to uh, do something on the roof at about 2.30 in the afternoon, and that was not a good idea. It was very very hot let's go north up to uh new jersey where our friend peter is and i think he is laughing at me peter has the summer heat been intense up uh in your neck of the woods
1: Uh, actually no it is not uh this whole month of august so far it's only been 70s and 80s and uh we've had a lot of uh like downpours and just rainy days so far this month so uh, if we hear anything about a drought i'm gonna be very mad because we've had plenty of rain to go around uh, but the next couple days, still uh, a couple cloudy days. Friday could be another kind of wash out of a day. Uh, but the good thing is it does look like the solar eclipse. We're only going to see about an 80% uh, eclipse up here. Uh looks pretty good so far for Monday, mostly sunny, mid-80s. So it uh, should be not too bad for Philly and uh, surrounding areas. But uh, hopefully uh, the rest of August will get some warmer temperatures. It really has not been feeling like summer up here and uh down at the jersey shore it's been kind of rough because of girt uh causing some high rip currents so uh yeah we don't uh not getting too many effects from that but just rip currents are the biggest uh problem with that next couple of days along with those downpours so that's pretty much it it's been kind of quiet and just rainy so feeling Well really you like know what happened last
0: time you last time you said those exact words Peter you yeah. had a <laughs> line of thunderstorms with an embedded tornado come on through so yeah
1: so expect that the next week or so
0: yeah knock on wood we had uh we had quite the storm come through south charlotte the other night i i could not have counted the lightning strikes it will probably be my tweet of the week if we do that later just to show you the radar scope screenshot but uh peter i'm so happy you mentioned the uh the eclipse you're uh the furthest north of all of our folks are you driving south to uh to get as much of the eclipse as you can
1: i am not i'm gonna try to enjoy it up here i think we're getting like a 70 to 80 percent eclipse so it's not going to be a full eclipse but I'll remind me after the show it's... to
0: introduce you to my friends who live outside of your metropolitan area there and you can hitch a ride with him he's coming on down just for that on Monday
1: there you go so
0: he's driving whatever that is 600 or so miles so uh <laughs> Steve we will see you on Monday my friend uh let's go on down to uh, Charleston we have uh, Shay Gibson uh, who's going to let us know how things are in South Carolina where where they will be getting the full complete eclipse show come Monday
2: Yep, that's right. Yeah, Monday is our big eclipse. We get full uh, darkness for uh, for uh, for a good little while. I mean, I think just north of here, right near McClellanville is going to be the area with the most time of darkness. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. In fact, I think I see Jared Smith here. I'm going to go ahead and introduce him. The weather here has been pretty hot. I'm going to talk about tropics in a little bit. But I want to introduce Jared Smith. He's with Charleston Weather. He does a fantastic job. He's been nominated for uh, Twitter account of the year for the T- Charleston City Paper. He does a really bang-up job on the weather, uh, social media platforms, and really getting the word out. He just started a new website. I'll sort of let him introduce himself real quick and talk about the weather for Charleston. Go ahead, Jared.
3: Thank you, Shay. Uh, gentlemen, it's a honor and a privilege to be on with you tonight. So <clears throat> started this in 2008. Just a quick little thing. I started this in 2008 and I started it with the name Charleston Weather, and um uh, from the humble beginnings of tweeting uh, every text message that I would get from Weather Underground with a BlackBerry, uh, get it out a little bit faster than everybody else. Uh, things have evolved. I've written a lot of code to back it over the years, and uh, um, it just kind of blew up. Just People started sending me storm reports, and uh, it kind of, uh, just kind of blew up, and here we are. So uh, it's uh, very fun to do, and uh, very glad to be continuing this. So it was hot today, hottest day of the year, 80, uh, 98 degrees, a little boy band heat. Um, As we might call it, uh, the heat index got to 113 briefly at Charleston International Airport today. So, hot day of the year. But interestingly, the first heat advisory of the year, I was going back, I was just looking at uh, Iowa Mesonet here real quick. And uh, I-, I can't tell you the last time that the first heat advisory in, ever in the year was issued in mid August. So, that's very, very unusual for Charleston. Um, And it's just it's just lousy for those of you who have had to do yard work because I had a guy tell me it was like it's been raining and now it's like 98 degrees and it's just awful doing yard work. So it's like, yeah, you just can't win. Uh, Rain's coming back later this week. And I got to tell you, as much as as much as I'm looking forward to using these guys, trying to keep uh, expectations solidly set, because climatologically speaking, August is cloudy. So we'll see how it goes.
2: (laughs) So. Yeah, yeah, sure. The um, i say one one thing I noticed today is is I was really watching the sea breeze because we have this westerly zonal flow, uh, really pushing that heat down over us from the Northeast Gulf Mexico High. Uh, so that's sort of a downsloping westerly wind that sort of sticks all day in the background, but then the sea breeze undercuts it at the coast. And I'll give a, a quick little presentation. This is using Datascope, and let me know when you can see it. We got you, Shay. All right, cool. So, let me make sure I got the right screen there. Okay, I may have grabbed the wrong screen. Here we go. Let's try this one. There we go. Okay, so, if you notice this, this is the Isle of Palms. Uh, right around 2 o'clock p.m., one thirty, two o'clock p.m., let me switch this to the air temperatures. And you can see right there, right before 2, the little temperature drop, it was heading up into the low 90s, and then it dropped down to the mid 80s. You can see it sort of stabilized right around 85, 86 degrees, which just happens to be the sea surface temperature. So uh, without storm assistance, this is about the lowest the air temperature can get with the sea breeze with the onshore cooler flow off the ocean. And just to show you how warm the ocean is, that's as, that's about as cool as it can get on a day like this. Uh, so 85 to 86 degrees, that's pretty warm for the Charleston area with the sea breeze. I mean, normally you would you would cool down 10 to 15 degrees, especially when you get into the cooler months. So uh, just a little nugget of information there, looks like our sea breezes are going to stick around for a couple of days since we have a cold front, but more importantly right now is the activity in the tropics because things are really ramping up. This is normal by the way, I want to remind everybody where we are in our season and we are we are right here, we are just now getting into the active period of the tropical season which is about the middle of August, uh, starting usually about the beginning of August and going right through September the 10th which is the peak of the season. So now we're starting to see a lot of activity, here we go. The National Hurricane Center, The three areas that have been uh, circled and now are giving a pretty medium chance, pretty good chance for all three of these areas to develop. Uh, This one right here is Invest 91L. This one's going to slide to the south across the Caribbean. Looks like it's going to be a concern for the the lesser Antilles. Uh, The winds, it could become a tropical storm. It may even be a tropical depression at this point. They're really watching it. There's some spin to it. I don't want to dive into each one of these storms too much because we want to get our guest on here in just a minute. But just to give you an idea of what's happening out there, one sliding to the south, we have disturbance number two, which is Invest 92L, which looks to be heading towards the northern Lesser Antilles, maybe north towards the Bahamas in a run over time. Uh, That's a 40% chance next 48 hours, 50% chance next five days. It will be following an upper trough that's extended to the south. So it may be running into a little bit of upper shear in a few days. Which may limit its ability to, to develop, uh, but then once that trough sort of fades out to the west, it may open it back up for development. So we're going to have to really watch that one. If you're in the Bahamas or the Puerto Rican area, uh, some of those islands. We we have another one that just came off the coast of Africa, given a forty to fifty percent chance. Forty percent chance, forty-eight hours. Fifty percent chance next five days. Uh, this is actually me back up. Disturbance number 3 Zero. I'm sorry, zero and forty. I was looking at that incorrectly. I, I thought I was saying it wrong. Uh, 0% chance 48 hours, but 40% chance next five days. It's a rather impressive wave. Uh, each one of these is in a a rather conducive zone for development. Uh, so this is the time of the year where we got to watch, you know, can they make it all the way from the Cape Verde area to our, our neck of the woods? That's the big question. We just don't know yet. It's too far out to assume anything. So don't believe any hype you see in the news. Don't believe any of these uh, hyper canes or any kind of words that you see, uh, anything (laughs) hitting the coast anytime soon, we still have four to five days. Anything to be of concern for the United States interests? So four or five days, if things look like they're going to progress towards uh, any part of the United States, then we'll know more. But right now, it's they're just too far out there, and uh, there's too much going on. So, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass it back to you, James. Unless there's any questions about the tropics.
0: No, I just I took a look at that uh, this morning, and I went, "Hello, August is here." and the tropics are uh, are beginning to rear their ugly heads. So Shay, thank you for that breakdown, and I'm gonna use that as a segue to introduce our guests. Uh, joining us is Bruce Fixman. He is with uh, Weather Rate, and uh, I wanted to give him a chance to not only introduce himself and the company in which uh, he is representing tonight, but also, uh, just like we did, to tell us a little bit about the, the weather uh, where he is. Uh, Bruce, where are you joining us from tonight? <laughs>
4: Hi, thanks for having me tonight. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Pretty exciting times here. Uh, I think we're is it monsoon season out there? It, it is. We're on a short break right now. It uh, typically happens in early, early to mid-August. We go on a break or two, and we're in one of those right now where uh, the uh, dew points are unbelievably low, uh, dropping to the upper 20s and 30s uh, in, in Phoenix this morning, which is uh, which is extremely low for this time of year, even even during a break.
0: So uh, Shay was mentioning a moment ago, not believing hype on the internet about hurricanes and not believing everything you say. And as I'm familiar with your company, uh, one of the purposes you guys serve is to give that seal of approval for the public to let them know that they are, in
4: fact, receiving weather from an authenticated source. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Uh, It all began about, uh, oh, about 14 years ago. Well, actually long before that, but... um, I, I just got tired of every TV weather guy or person saying, uh, we're the most accurate, we're pinpoint. And I said, you know, I remember we used to do these great forecasting contests back at college. And uh, I, wonder, I wonder if I could hold these guys accountable in some way and uh, have a forecasting contest essentially for them. And I did some research and uh, figured out a way to make this all happen. And uh, 13, 14 years later, um, weather rates going strong. So it started as a contest, you're saying? No. It, well, it started as a weather contest in college. The idea came from that, where we did forecasting contests um, up in SUNY Oswego, up in New York. That's where oh, I right. went to school. And uh, that gave me the idea many, many, many years later for uh, holding a, a contest, if you will, for, for TV meteorologists. It's not oh, really I a see. contest. But it gave me the basis of the idea of uh, how do we hold TV meteorologists accountable for, for, for getting it right? And, and really, I'm sorry?
0: Oh, no, I was just going to acknowledge it does remind me of my college days, and I think we did something at the time called Weather Challenge.
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah it's probably very very similar. I don't remember what the name of our contest was. I know it was a lot of universities from all around the country participated, and I think you'd have a city for every two weeks, and then you switched and did this for a couple, three months, and, and then there was uh, you know local and regional and national winners as well. No. It,
0: it sounds very very similar. Um, uh, I know your brand is on WBTV television here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I'm curious to know how any station's relationship with, with your company comes about. Do they contact you? Do you contact them? Do they have to battle it out? How does that work?
4: That's a great question. So we do the research in the top 85 markets, whether the stations want us to or not. So we're collecting the data one way or the other. <laughs> Very nice. So, we're kind of like J.D. Power. we do our independent research and then at the end of our annual research, uh, which ends on February 28th each year, uh, 29th in leap years, uh, we will know who the most accurate is according to our our algorithms. And uh, that's when we contact the station and say, hey, you guys were most accurate for the past year according to our research. Congratulations.
0: so what you're saying is the month of February, you, you essentially created your own ratings period for weather folks.
4: Right. So it ends in, it ends in Febu- the end of February, and then we start all again on March 1st and run for another whole year.
0: Very, very nice. Uh, I'm curious to know, you're from or went to school in upstate New York, and you picked February of all months. Was there a <laughs> snow background meaning to picking a month uh, in winter?
4: No, it has absolutely nothing to do with, with the timing of weather, actually. Um, when I first started the company, uh, we were doing research every six months. And we did a six-month uh, research and a six-month uh, license, if you will, for a station to, to say that they're the most accurate of weathery. And we did this for two years, and, and, and the TV stations were telling us, this is really great, but this is too much of a hot potato. We can't have this bouncing around every year. So can you make it along a longer research period? And... So we, that's when we went to an annual research. To get back to the February, it just timed out um, when we started the company, and and after those first six-month intervals, um, that's when that's how just how it all played out. And I'm sure the the newsroom folks
0: are thinking, well, February is a rating period, and everyone's here and not on vacation, so that that times out nicely. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago licensing and I was going to, to kind of dig into a little bit. How does that relationship work? Are they paying you? Do you pay them? I have to imagine
4: at some point, this is a business. (laughs) It is a business. Uh, so kind of like JD power, you know, we do our research at our expense. We have employees, we have meteorologists on staff. And then at that annual, uh, at the end of the research, the annual research, we, we contact the station as most accurate in each city and, and we offer them our seal of approval, if you will. And, uh, we, we there is a licensing fee for them to go out and tell the world, especially their city that they're in, that they're the most accurate according to an independent research company. Do you
0: uh, find certain newsrooms, certain businesses, certain cultures are are more open to that, uh, or how how has it changed over the years? Are you guys becoming a little bit more recognizable when you're cold calling people and say, "Hey, we think you're the best"?
4: I remember the first station that I called uh, after we after we did our research and they said you're 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 who and you're doing what <laughs> it, it was it was pretty funny and and for the first several years i, I would head over to the nab show uh national association of broadcasters and uh, rtnda up in vegas uh, news directors uh, association and uh i was kind of a walking billboard and I, i'd find people and i would just talk to people and got the word out there and over time especially in the 85 markets that we're doing um, you know the word got out about weather rate and um, Getting back to one of your earlier uh, points, do, do they battle it out? And, and this is really – this is the beauty, the beautiful part about weather rate. I love when there's good competition in a city, and I've got the guy – the, the weathercaster is going at it uh, across town, rivalries, if you will, because in the end, the winner is the, is the viewer because, you know, they're getting the most <laughs> – they're getting really the best forecast these guys could, can come up with and not not be um, – you know, and not just uh, – uh, shrugging off the forecast for tomorrow if you will. So Bruce sure. how do you pick Go ahead, uh, Oh, I'm sorry
2: James uh, I was just going to ask how do you pick which cities which stations that you're going to sort of
4: uh, watch and verify? We started um, when we first started doing the research we were doing the top um, the top 50 markets and then over uh, a couple years later we added 25 more and then a few years after that we added 10 more. So we do the research in the top approximately the largest uh, 85 markets and uh, i'm sorry what was the follow-up part of that question oh how do you pick which which stations
2: that you're going to include i know like you have uh, the major network stations i assume you take like a metropolitan city or the capital city uh and then you take the major syndicate i'm not sure if that's the correct terminology they're the syndicated channels like abc NBC, cbs uh and then you sort of pull from those weather meteorologists
4: or so, yeah, in most markets, it's the, it's the four major players, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. In some, there's a little bit less, and often that's because uh, another, uh, another station in town is owned by the same company, and they use the same exact weather forecast. Um, here we go. And, um, and in other markets, there's, there's some independence, and uh, over the years, some cable stations have asked if they could be included in the research as well. And, and we've uh, agreed to that. I think we do that in, um, I think we have one in Orlando. There's, a few, there's maybe two or three uh, cable stations that we've included at their request.
0: So I got a follow-up question on, on that, Bruce. As you're taking a look at the list of stations who have your current seal of approval or, or stations that are maybe being vetted by you
4: guys in February, technical question. Sure. How do you how do you see all these stations? Okay, so let me just clear one thing up. It's not this. We're not vetting them in February. It's a twelve month research. Oh, okay. I'm sorry if yeah, I misunderstood. a No problem. That. No, it's, thought... it's 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 pretty comprehensive. It covers all the seasons.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So let me let me walk that back a little because I was thinking that it was every February that you guys were uh, reviewing the stations and then renewing the licensing for the twelve month period after that. So it's all month long that stations are being reviewed.
4: Or every day, 365 days for a whole year. Wow. Okay.
0: So, so what what was it about February that that stood out in in the earlier conversation we were having? Just so I can make sure I understand the significance of that
4: month. There is no significance. It, it had something to do with uh, when I started the company and and kind of coupled with uh, uh, TV rating periods. And I don't really remember how it all happened, but uh, the research ended on February twenty eighth, and and that's the way it was. I got
0: you, I got you. I apologize for that that earlier confusion on my part. So no it, all, year, all year long you're looking at these stations. Let me ask this question then. Um, at what point, as you're reviewing stations, might the, the certificate, the approval that you guys issue, change hands?
4: Okay, so the way we work it is, so uh, the stations that you see on that list there, they were the most accurate uh, from, um, March uh, 1st of 2016 to February 28th of 2017. And now they're licensing with us for a, le- for a year, licensing their previous year's accomplishment. Oh, okay. Okay. So during the year, um, this list will not change unless we add new stations. Uh, but we, we don't uh, publicize the current year's research until, to the public until, uh, until the end of the research year. That make sense i believe
0: i believe it does so so right now
4: you're looking at stations who who (laughs) might might have your brand
0: come next year
4: right we're looking at all 85 markets 300 plus tv stations that we're looking at right now and we we know the scores and and the tv mirror will just have access to or the information which is updated for them every monday morning so they can kind of track along where they're at oh
0: very very interesting um I, i do have a brief question and i think uh, to Shay's point a little bit, you, you mentioned top 85 markets. I come from television. Uh, I assume you mean uh, based on the way Niel- Nielsen will rate those ratings. Is, is that accurate? Uh, or, or how would you explain that to someone who's not familiar with those ratings?
4: Each TV market is called a designated marketing area, I believe it's called. right. Uh, and um, so the top 85 would be the 85 largest TV markets in the country.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Just to give folks an idea, number one being New York City, 85 being roughly what size city we're talking about?
4: Uh, Madison, Wisconsin.
0: Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. So we, we're running the, running the gamut of some pretty major metropolitan uh, areas there. Uh, back to my earlier question. Uh, how, how is it that you guys go about watching these stations uh, all across the
4: country? I can't, I can't imagine you have somebody physically <laughs> in 85 different cities. No, but that would be really cool. <laughs> uh, it would be. It would be also probably pretty expensive. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Um, so we get the forecast one of two ways. We prefer the TV meteorologists at every station log onto our website every day um, by midnight local time and enter their forecast that way. If if they don't do that, then we're pulling an image of their TV forecast, their webpage, uh and then the following morning, uh, our staff will take that information from their from their weather page and put it into the database manually.
0: I got you. I got you. And uh are you just verifying those numbers with, with the National Weather Service observations at the end of the day? Or, or what, what makes it uh, accurate, I suppose?
4: Okay, so every day we've got one person uh, collecting all the forecasts that weren't entered in by the, uh, by the TV meteorologist. And then we have another employee. That person's job is, is the best job uh, for weather geeks. It's, it's, I call it a weather investigator because they're looking to find out what happened the day before, actually two days before, uh, the, way, the way we do our research. Uh, and that person gets to look at all the observations from a city, uh, the National Weather Service data. We look at um, uh, some products from NOAA to find out where the precip- hap- precipitation rain or snow happened, because you know, it doesn't always rain at the airport and sometimes it does there and nowhere else. Um, so we, we've, we've got a pretty, pretty good system to cover, figure out what's going on across the city.
0: I was I was just thinking that, and and Shay Gibson himself has a, a background in, in equipment that does observations. And I imagine Shay, that was on
2: your mind as well. Oh yeah, we got plenty of points in Charleston. I know that, and, and yeah. you know, most of the coastal United States, uh, we have some pretty good uh, points of interest. But you know, I mean, like like you said, even for places like Charleston, where you have this uh, dy- this really like very complex dynamic at the land-sea interface, it could be one temperature like I showed you with the sea breeze, is really 85 degrees at the beach, uh, but then inland you have 198 oh, degrees with a heat index of 113. So, uh, you know, a lot of variables there from in, in different cities, especially when you get into urban heat island effects. I'm sure that your meteorologists are aware of these in some of these larger metropolitan areas.
4: Correct, Bruce? That, that's correct. Now, for, for the most part, the, the temperature uh, we take usually from the major airport in town. That's usually the case, but not always. Uh, but then there are cities like San Francisco and you say, holy cow, they've got these microclimates that change from two miles, uh, you know, from, from the immediate coast to the bay to inland. And just starting about a year or two ago, we actually broke down the, the research. Uh, so they're forecasting for each of those um, different microclimates in our system. And we're verifying for each of those microclimates. And, and as we go on, we'll, you know, we'll probably add more of those to, to different locations if it's needed.
2: Now, do your meteorologists have all the different eddies mapped out in their minds?
4: <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that is a t- that is probably one of the toughest
2: climates when you get into middle and northern California. Wow. Yeah, it um, sure
4: is. I
0: know I know. Jared has a question. We'll go to him just a moment. we yeah. am come too far off that last point, Bruce. Uh, is, is that what made you guys mark the cap right now at, at 85 markets? Because there is just a lot of data <laughs> for you guys to go through.
4: Exactly. Um, there, there's a, a ton of data. I can't even imagine how many millions of points of data that I have accumulated over 13, 14 years of doing this. But you figure 300-plus uh, TV stations every day and, and, and a lot of variables, which we haven't talked about yet. We'll get into that in just a minute. Um, and then all these observations from these 85-plus cities now because some some cities, we break it up, like like I was saying, in San Francisco. And then there's some station, some cities in the Midwest where… Yeah, you know their 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 DMA is is so wide that you know the forty fifty miles between uh, temperature readings uh, or just conditions in general. So we've we've uh, we've broken it down in a couple of other cities as well, just based on distance. So tons of data.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You know, folks who might be watching tonight from the Carolinas could probably best relate to, you know, if you live inland versus the coast or, or, or inland versus the mountains, and then you get into some terrains like you have on the West coast and it becomes even, even more complex. Uh, we do have a guest panelist tonight. We talked to him off the top of the show. His name is Jared Smith. He's outside the Charleston, South Carolina area. Jared, I understand you have a question for Bruce.
3: Yes, I do. So, uh, Bruce, you, know, you, you mentioned at the beginning how you started this and you didn't like the hype from television weathercasters and everything, and I feel like that's gotten a lot better. Uh, the new hype is now in social media. The new hype is now on the Internet, where literally anybody can pull a weather page out of uh, various locations and uh, post a 384-hour GFS and say, oh, look, there's something off the southeast coast tomorrow. Um, have you thought about... Uh, Maybe getting into social media ratings or finding a way to help combat that?
4: I, <coughs> excuse me. You know, we have thought about that. Uh, um, and I'm just not really sure how that's going to work in our model because, uh, like you said, there, there's so many independent folks out there and groups like yours which are doing great things. Uh, it's such a great public service. Um, but in the end, you know, the number one reason why people watch their local news is the weather. And that's why we still stick with, with um, with with going through the TV the local TV stations.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm recalling a study, and I won't quote it per, verbatim because I I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it once lists the top five reasons that people watch local TV news, and four of the five I think were weather, current conditions, <laughs> severe weather, radar. I forget, <laughs> and the fifth one was breaking news.
1: So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely weather. It's 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 number one. Um, it has been for a long time and I imagine even with all these other outlets, you know, the apps and, and every, every everybody's got an app for the weather and radars, but still, the, the, you know, now granted that news, news viewership is declining as a whole um, on, on broadcast television, but the number one reason people watch the, the local weather uh, local TV is uh, for the weather.
0: Uh, you mentioned uh, a moment ago you guys have a lot of variables that you wanted to go through. Uh, guide us a little into that. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Sure. So we're we're verifying the accuracy of, of a lot of different uh, data points here. We're looking, of course, at high and low temperature. We are looking at sky cover. We're looking at precipitation, uh, timing of precipitation in the first period, which would be uh, for tomorrow. Um, we're looking at strong winds, dense fog, severe thunderstorm, and different snow and ice accumulations. So we've covered a lot of territory. Yeah, that is a lot of territory in
0: 85 different <laughs> cities. Um, are you guys actively in 85 cities right now, or are those just the eligible cities?
4: So that's the eligible cities that we do our research in. The list that you see in front of you has 49. We've just added another uh, uh, another city uh, in, um, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, so we have now 50, 50 of the 85 markets that we do the research in have signed on with weather rate. To tell the world they're the most accurate, according to an independent research company.
0: And uh, I'm just curious to what happens if a station cold calls you. For example, they uh, from a city that's not in the top 85. I either or, or you know, a station who is in 85 who thinks that they're the most accurate.
4: Well, if that's the case, and they 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 they're disputing why the station across town is the most accurate, uh, we're happy to share the data with them. Uh, put the spreadsheets together, tell them how to read the spreadsheets. And uh, once in a while we'll go through the data together and sometimes they just read the data on their own and, and then typically I don't hear back from them. So I guess they've, uh, they've, guess they've figured out that we're not just uh, this fly by night thing and we've got the data and, you know, to, to prove what we're saying. Uh, very very
0: cool uh, i'm just going to pause for a second here bruce we're at about the bottom of the hour uh just want to let folks know uh, if you are joining us for tonight's live broadcast here of the carolina weather group you can find us on facebook and youtube and periscope and to comment in with your questions for bruce he's uh, with weather rate and telling us all about their product uh, we also have uh with the carolina weather group uh, our friends uh Uh, Peter and Shay, and a special guest, Jared, on tonight, who are going to be asking some of their own questions as well, too. Uh, Bruce, I want to just uh, pause for a moment and take a step back and uh, wondering a little bit more about yourself. How did you catch the weather
4: bug? Oh, like probably everybody on this call tonight. uh, It started at a very young age. Uh, (laughs) And that's that's the thing about us meteorologists. Um, Most of us, it starts like, you know, five or six years old for me. Uh, I had an older brother, uh, I still do, he's three years older than me, and uh, he would love to watch the thunderstorms come in. This is in suburban New York City, down Long Island. And uh, we would watch the thunderstorms, and he just got really excited about them, and I got excited, you know, looking up to my big brother. And I got the weather bug, and uh, I knew, I, I knew right from a young age that uh, what I wanted to do right through college, so I was very fortunate. Uh, just to, to take this classes that I needed in high school to get ready and uh, head off to uh, Oswego in New York to get my degree in meteorology.
0: Okay. Uh, anybody who watches this show often enough knows where uh, I'm going with this next question. Where on Long Island? I'm from Smithtown.
4: Oh, I grew up in Levittown.
0: Oh, very cool. The Levittown that's on Long Island as opposed to the Levittown that's in New Jersey, that's Pennsylvania. Totally, uh,
4: yeah, out. right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> the original,
4: I guess we are. I don't know. Right,
0: I, I think so. Uh, i'll have to check the history books on on that one uh peter jared shea uh, any questions uh, for
2: bruce yeah i wanted to ask the you said did you mention wind in there as one of the parameters that you guys look look for for uh, forecast accuracy
4: for strong wind uh now strong everybody wind. has a different definition of strong wind so uh i don't have the ability right in front of me Shay, to uh to pull up what our criteria is but if you wanted to go to the i think it's our faqs on our website it uh, lists all the different criteria that we're looking for. For example, there's one for strong wind. It talks about a sustained wind. I think it's at 14 miles per hour over the over the, uh, the forecast period. Um, and, and then it's also, there's also a gust uh, option as well, it can say consecutive hours with gusts over a certain uh, miles per hour. But the, some of the folks in the Midwest kind of scoff at that, and they say, you call that windy? <laughs> it's like, well, for a lot of the country, it is windy. Uh, breezy to windy um so yeah wind is one of the things that we're, we're verifying the accuracy of
2: i got you So basically moderate winds plus and then higher gusts that that spike up into the higher numbers so i mean i'm a wind forecaster myself along the coastal That's united good. states so um i would love to get weather rated you know i, I don't think anybody <laughs> ever has i mean there, there's a, a rather large niche that we're sort of filling the team and i and um we haven't been challenged on verification. I mean, I go day to day. I try to self-verify as I'm going through each day. Uh, but there's no one standing back saying, "Hey, you know, you missed your market, uh, you know, for this amount of days out of a month or this many months out of a year overall for averages." Uh, it'd be nice to sort of grade it on that.
4: Yeah, I, I suppose it would be. <laughs>
0: Uh, So I'm going to go up to Peter because I believe we have a question about someone who wants to know a a little bit more about how you guys do things in in really large, wide markets. Peter, what is that question?
1: Yeah, uh, Dean is asking on our Facebook chat, uh, how do I do the Lynchburg-Roanoke market knowing that they are almost 50 miles apart?
4: Excellent question. Uh, And if you recall, a few minutes ago, I was talking about how some of those larger markets that we split into two verification areas, Roanoke-Lynchburg is one of those areas. Uh, so we do, we have separate temperature and, and well, all verification, uh, data. Uh, They're verified separately for each of those two different towns.
0: And then, uh, overall, are they getting, uh, averaged together into one score with inside the same DMA? Is that how that equation would work
4: from there or? Exactly. Yeah. So we have some stations that get verified in Lynchburg, some in Roanoke. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which ones are which, And then, um, as a whole DMA, that's how we are uh, determining who's the most accurate. Gotcha.
0: Um, I think I think Dean was was rattling off the stations, but I, I can't recall them all off the top of my head either. But a uh, perfect example of kind of varying terrains and a multiple city DMA, if you will. Uh, I don't know if that's the accurate way to describe that. But. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter, uh, any other questions from you or or our viewers online?
4: Uh, nothing yet, but there's something I'll let you know. <laughs> one thing we didn't talk about yet was sure, yeah, please what's the time. forecast period. That's a great question. Hey, I can't believe period? we missed that one. <laughs> I know. Hey, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the meteorologists, uh, enter in their forecast, uh, today. Um, they'll be forecasting for tomorrow, tomorrow night. And then, uh, let's see today's, today's Wednesday, right? So it'll be for Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, including the nights on those as well. So it's a uh, four days, five periods.
0: And do you guys do anything special if a major event, a uh, snowstorm hurricane or something is occurring within that period? Is there flexibility, grace, or is it just scored the exact same way?
4: It, it's scored the same way. They got to be on their toes uh, to, 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 you know, that's, that's probably when it's most critical is during, during severe weather events. Uh, you know, if it's a hurricane, then the wind forecast is kind of easy. They just check off strong winds and they're done with that. So that part, so all, all, but a guarantee in those scenarios, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly.
0: Um, I'm wondering, uh, how in your experience, some of these markets play out. I mean, have you guys found in your experience that, uh, it's a tight race. It's a photo finish in, in many markets.
4: I wouldn't say in many markets, but there's definitely in, in some markets. Uh, um, it seems every year that they come down right to the wire, and I'm not sure why that isn't just certain markets every year. Um, maybe it's because those guys are really going at it wholeheartedly, or I should say those folks. Um, hard, hard to say, um, but yeah, there there have been some close ones uh, in different cities, and I I don't think that the, any of the Carolinas have been. Uh, Particularly close. When there's been a winner, it's usually been a clear-cut, clear-cut winner for that for that Uh, year for that year, and and that's not to say
0: without naming names that uh, in certain areas it's it's a really wide gap between finishes. I would hope not.
4: (laughs) Not not usually. No, it's usually. You know, it's interesting. I've had stations call me up. Uh, I think it was a station once in Fresno uh, years ago, and he said, uh, "Can we say we're the most accurate in the United States?" And I said, well, no, because it's not really a level playing field versus, you know, going the guys in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because <laughs> Fresno is pretty simple weather, like Phoenix most of the year. Most of the year. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to
2: ask that, like, who, who is like the, the best of the best? Do you have like, the highest rated uh, news station in the country? I mean, but like you said, the, the, the playing field is not level. And so I'm sure that that varies a lot.
4: Yeah, or do, you, or do you have a best? Now the best scores definitely come in from the easy to forecast weather areas uh, like Phoenix, Las Vegas, Fresno, uh, and, and the like, uh, and the, and the the I would say the worst scores, but the the other end of the spectrum, um, coming from harder series, cities, usually up in up in the snow belt somewhere, like uh, uh, I'd say up in Michigan Wisconsin, upstate New York. Uh, the, no, those are harder places to forecast the weather for. Um, you know we've thought about coming up with a national uh, a waiting factor uh, I just haven't gotten around to that project it's something I've always been it's always been on the back of my mind Where we could have a, a true national a true national champion uh, it would be kind of interesting to see wouldn't it but it, it's hard to get a feel for how do you make this waiting system
2: so what are you saying you'd be giving out handicaps to certain cities
4: yeah <laughs> I, I guess you could call it that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny the it, golf, sense,
2: you know, because it's gonna—it's hard, right? In some of these areas, it's just so hard to get it nailed down. You can do the best you can based on all all the information you get, but your success rate may not be as well as where you want it to be, just because of the the rapidly changing weather. You may have water temperatures nearby that affect it. You got yeah, you know, high terrain, mountains. Uh, you know, there's—I <laughs> could imagine. I mean, I would imagine you have to levy some sort of. Um, uh, Handicap system based
4: on and, and the it's funny that you use the, you use the analogy of a golf score because that's what we <laughs> always say Anna. when we do our, our scoring scoring algorithm. Uh, the way I created it all those years ago is that the lower the score, the more accurate your forecasts are. So it's kind of like golf in that respect as well.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to get some angry hate mail from some meteorologists
4: in Phoenix <laughs> or elsewhere. <laughs> Oh, it's possible. It happens uh, periodically, I would say. Um, but you know what? We're very open, very open to talk to folks. Uh, if they want to see the data, we share the data from their station, all the other stations in, in their city. Um, there's no smoke and mirrors, and it's all, like I said, it's a lot of transparency here.
0: Um, I was just uh, looking at that list that uh, Shay had up on the screen not too long ago, Bruce. Uh, and it looks like in June you guys announced uh, some of the new uh, stations who uh, to carry your uh, certificate of uh, most accurate approval. And I was wondering, in your own words, if you could uh, introduce us to some of those
4: stations. Sure. So this is a list um – uh not just news stations some of these stations have been repeating for one two or uh we've even got a station uh, a couple stations here that have been repeating for for 10 years uh yeah we've had uh, uh, a handful of stations over the years nobody's done all 13 years but i think i've got one or two uh that have gone 11 years uh with us Uh, 11 years in a row is most accurate in their market um you yeah, so know, talking about the the stations in the Carolinas. We've got um, WBTV over. C- I believe that's a CBS Channel Three. Uh, Eric and his team have come out on top now two years in a row. In Raleigh-Durham, the folks over at ABC, uh, Chris and his team, uh, there three years in a row is most accurate. And over in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Jim is a Jim Gandy, uh, WLTX, uh, CBS. Uh, also he's now at, uh, six years in a row is most accurate according to our research. So my congratulations go out to those guys and their teams.
2: Yeah, we'd like Jim Gandy. He's come on here quite a few
4: I think we lost Shay there for yeah. a moment, but he's right. Oh. Yeah.
0: We, we have had Jim on, uh, several times on this show and, uh, and Bruce, I guess after a few years, you guys really begin to strike up overboard with these guys.
4: Well, yeah, some, some, uh, meteorologists like to send me- even though we're collecting the data and you know we've got all the information we need and i certainly we certainly welcome them to if they if they forecasted rain um uh oh, let me backtrack just a little bit uh sure. during that first period which would be tomorrow we, we break it into three forecast periods it's morning afternoon and evening uh so seven to noon noon to noon to 7 p.m and then 7 p.m to 10 p.m um so if we have a meteorologist uh, say in Kansas City and he forecasted, he checked, he checked the box that he thinks it's going to rain in, in the second period, and uh, he wants to make sure we get it. He, they send us what they send us clips of their radars all the time, uh, and and hey, good for them. They just want to make sure that we got all the data that we need to get, and we always welcome that data that they want to sh- they want to share. I don't think they share it if they're getting it wrong though. <laughs> <laughs> then they're really quiet, right? Yeah, I don't hear from them. <laughs> But no, we we, we welcome and yes yeah, so, so over the years I've gotten to know some of the TV meteorologists uh, you know fairly well uh, you know we we have to stay impartial and and we're uh, uh, we're certainly not buddy buddy that's for sure um, but we keep it friendly
2: Bruce yeah. I got one more question as far as the data goes when you're when the meteorologists are compiling all the data is there like a program that's written to inter values or is it done spreadsheets how, how is this information sort of compared and contrasted. Uh, view per like a viewing sheet or percentage rate
4: so you mean how are we putting the data in hmm yeah so um, it goes into a database uh, I'm not a high-tech guy we've got a we've got um, IT folks that uh, did the programming for us um, and continue to refine things as needed um, so we get the forecast data, it goes into the database, the observed data goes into the database, and then it runs the scoring calculation based on you know, comparing the two. Does that help at all? Yeah,
2: I understood, yeah. That's, I that's couldn't help, tell you what not. language
4: it's written in. I think maybe, is it Python, I think, or something like that. I, I don't, that's out of my, my, my wheelhouse a bit.
2: Right, I was just, just curious to see if it was something that was a, a coded Sort of a coded software.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Or if it was um, just something that they just sit down they they kind of look at things and say, okay, this was done, this is done, because uh, it seems like an extreme amount of data to go through.
4: It is. It's a lot of lot, lot of data processing going on. So yeah, it is. It all it is all that end of it is all tech.
0: <laughs> uh, Bruce, one of the things we talk about on this show from time to time is we try to let uh, meteorology students potential students who are looking to get into this field know that there are things Uh, that they can do professionally outside of just your typical broadcast meteorologist nothing against it but I think it's the first job that folks always think about and I look at your company and I think this is probably one of those uh, niches where people who don't want to be on broadcast but want to be heavily involved in data and science and weather could fall into and I'm just wondering do you ever uh, meet with those students talk with those students or if you were to what would you tell them what would your advice be about getting into uh, the field that you found yourself in
4: well obviously I, I think it's very important to to get a degree in meteorology or atmospheric sciences of some type um i know a lot of broadcast meteorologists they weren't didn't start out as meteorologists uh but they've taken the courses and and, and earned a, a degree uh online or wh- however they do it uh, later on in their careers and i think that's really excellent um with the advent of social media i, I know a lot of young folks who who have their own uh weather sites, if you will, um, kind of like Carolina Weather Group. I'm sure most of you guys probably have your own weather sites, and I think that's a, a really excellent way to start forecasting. Um, and, may, and maybe you want to try to find um, uh, some other people in, in your area that you could uh, chat with and talk about weather. Uh, I, I know for me, uh, I you know my, my, my kids are through elementary, they're in elementary and, and middle school now, so I always have a great, great time going to their classrooms and, and talking up weather. It's it, it's a lot of fun because they have great questions. Do you do you miss the snow? I do. Uh, that's one good thing about Arizona, though, uh, is that you drive two and a half hour, two two and a half hours, and you're up in up in the uh, the Mogollon Rim, which is the uh, the edge of the Colorado Plateau, and so uh, you're up around six or seven thousand feet, and there's plenty of snow up there in the winter time. And interesting that you mentioned, do I miss snow? When I was looking at universities all those years ago, um, the the number one reason I chose SUNY Oswego, State University in New York at Oswego, is because it is literally right on the shore of Lake Ontario. And not only do you get these uh, great wintertime uh, snow squall events, which were just like totally cool, uh, you get daily land sea breeze effects and so much much going on. This is so much to learn and, and just observe right there. Um, so a shout out to, to SUNY Oswego. If uh, any young folk are out there looking for a school, uh, I, I take a strong look at, look at them.
0: Was your campus one of those who had like the, the ropes so that you could hold on to during the windy
4: days and the snow? That is not a myth. We actually did have ropes. Uh, there was a 10 story, between my dorm and the rest of campus, it was a 10 story dorm. Uh, and it created this wind tunnel effect. There was some trees on one side and a 10 story dorm. And it, it always became a sheet of ice and it was such a wind tunnel in there that uh, easily the winds gusting hurricane force on 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 a pretty regular basis through that spot there. And there were ropes in that spot in the winter time.
0: I, I thought I had heard heard rumors of such. I've not been to that particular campus. We'll be up at uh, Geneseo myself in a few weeks to visit my sister, hmm. uh, and I know they get uh, quite a lot of snow up there as well. So my
4: my senior year, uh, I think we clocked in around three hundred and. Three hundred and twenty inches of snow. It was great. It was a great year. It was fun. Uh, I was joking with somebody
0: earlier today uh, about uh, snow events in, in the Carolinas, which are you know two inches. <laughs> um, oh, so it, it, I can hear Peter <laughs> laughing because he's outside of Philly. Uh, so at the end of the show, we're going to have a- angry emails from uh, meteorologists in Phoenix and people who live in the Carolinas and like their milk and bread and eggs. Um, uh, Bruce, I totally forgot what my next question was going to be, but I think what I was, it was kind of just open the floor up to you. I know there were a couple things that, uh, I hadn't specifically asked about, so I wanted to give you a little bit of time to walk us through anything that, that maybe I haven't thought to ask you yet.
4: There's one more thing about getting back to the, to the young folk out there who, who might be interested in the career of meteorology. Uh, I was told by a, a former professor of mine, I visited us, we go this past summer and I was chatting with him for quite a bit and, He was telling me that the numbers of freshmen that come into the program drops by half by second year And I said why is it too cold here at Oswego? He says no, they don't realize how much math there is in in meteorology